0: Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service.
1: Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today.
0: For those who are newer visiting, I'm Pastor John, the senior pastor here at Stonebridge, and we're going through the sermon series entitled Journey to Jerusalem, looking at the middle part of the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus begins and then embarks on this journey to the city of Jerusalem. Last week, we looked at a scene right before this journey began, the transfiguration, where Jesus took uh, three of his closest disciples and was transformed in front of them. And Moses and Elijah were there, and Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, wanted to just stay there, wanted to avoid this journey. But Jesus and God the Father rebuked Peter, because this journey has to happen. So this morning, we're going to be looking at the moment when Jesus decides that it is time for him to now go to Jerusalem. So I'll be reading from Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62, and I invite you to hear God's word. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Please pray with me. Lord, you set your face towards Jerusalem. You began on this journey. And Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to know what it means to follow you. Help us to, through these scriptures, examine what it means to follow you, to be your people, to go along the journey with you. So Lord, guide us through this passage now and guide us through our lives. May your Holy Spirit illuminate these scriptures for us, that we would hear your word, and that we would be able to be your followers in this world. So Lord, speak to us now. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Luke phrases this moment of determination as Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. It's a powerful phrase, I think. And one thing that's odd for me is I I spent numerous times reading the Gospel of Luke, but it wasn't until a few years ago that this phrase really began to stick out to me. It became clear how important this picture of Jesus setting his face truly is. This is the turning point of the whole gospel. This directs all of the action, and this is the moment where Jesus fully claims his calling and vocation as Messiah. I think it's easy for us to skip this moment, though, because so many translations, they get the phrase, Jesus set his face, and they water it down a little bit. One translation has it as, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Another one says, He was determined to go to Jerusalem, or he determined to journey to Jerusalem. So he made up his mind to go to Jerusalem. They lose the phrase of Jesus setting his face. But that idea of him setting his face, I think, is important. I think that phrase captures Jesus' determination better than the word determination does. You can almost imagine Jesus sitting there, standing there, talking, talking, interacting with somebody, and then all of a sudden he realizes it is time to go to Jerusalem. And he sets his eyes right on Jerusalem, and he never takes his eyes away from them, from it. He is going to go to Jerusalem. Whatever gets in the way, whatever fears may arise, whatever obstacles might get in the way, Jesus is going to end up in Jerusalem. And he's going to go to Jerusalem because the cross awaits him there. That's what gives this moment its import. That's what makes it so critical. Jesus knows exactly why he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer. He's going to die. And he is determined to go and to do that so that this world can be redeemed. It's a powerful moment here. And what I also find interesting is the way Luke sets it up after this moment. Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem. Nothing's going to get in his way. But then as Luke continues in the story, a question is raised, who exactly will follow Jesus there? Who is going to follow Jesus? Hi, Robbie. Who is going to follow Jesus to Jerusalem? And Luke introduces three different groups of people almost right away. I'm going to say, you guys, it's okay if he makes noise, by the way. Don't even worry about it. It's it's totally fine. I have a baby at home. I'm used to it. So who is going to follow Jesus to Jerusalem? That's the question Luke raises right away, almost immediately after Jesus sets his face. And there's three different groups that Luke brings to our attention. And what I want to do this morning is go through these three different groups because I think we can learn something about each one of them and their responses to Jesus, about what it means to follow Jesus. So the first group is called the Samaritans. I'm sure you've heard the word Samaritan. We've talked about them here at Stonebridge before, but I want to reintroduce them to everybody briefly because they're really important in the Gospel of Luke. The Samaritans were the descendants of what was known as the Northern Kingdom of Israel. We talk a lot about Israel and Jewish. And today those are almost synonymous with each other. They're not entirely, but there's a lot of overlap there. But for hundreds of years, Israel and Judea, where Jewish comes from, or Judah, they were enemies. They were once part of the same kingdom under David and Solomon. But then after Solomon died, there was a civil war. And they split off into two different kingdoms. And for hundreds of years, they fought each other. So the Jewish people, Jesus' people, they're the descendants of the southern kingdom. But the Samaritans were the descendants of the northern kingdom, historically enemies of each other. And in Jesus' day, they were still enemies. Samaritans were viewed as the evil ones, the ones who destroyed the kingdom, the ones who broke off and rebelled. And one important fact about the Samaritans is they did not really care about Jerusalem. They didn't believe Jerusalem was where God dwelt. They didn't believe the temple was where God dwelt. Jerusalem wasn't important to them. So Jesus wants to go to a Samaritan city. Right after he sets his face to Jerusalem, he wants to go to a town of the enemy. But they say no to him because he has set his face to Jerusalem. Because he's going to go to Jerusalem, they don't think that's where he should go. So they say no, and Jesus moves along. I think one thing we can learn there, following Jesus, it doesn't always fit your agenda. We all have cultural assumptions. We all have ideas about how the world works. We all have an agenda based on those assumptions, based on those ideas. Following Jesus is going to challenge your agenda. If you think you have it all figured out, if you think you know exactly how things should play out, guess what? Jesus is going to definitely challenge you then because we are human beings. We have limited information. We don't have it all figured out. Following Jesus, it doesn't always fit your agenda, and he's going to challenge your agenda. In that moment, the Samaritans couldn't let go of their disdain for Jerusalem, and they missed out on following Jesus. Doesn't always fit your agenda. Luke quickly then moves to two close followers of Jesus, James and John. And what in the world is wrong with James and John? I don't know if you heard it there, but the Samaritans, they say no to Jesus. So James and John have this totally reasonable and proportionate response. They say, Jesus, let's cons- have the fire to consume them and kill them all. What? Are you serious? How have they been following Jesus to this point? They listen to what's called the Sermon on the Plain in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus says, love your enemies. And they think Jesus wants them to call down fire, which there's no evidence they can actually even do that in the Gospels, and destroy them? Are you serious? Look, I feel sad that I have to say this, but Following Jesus, it does not involve harming people. This is very, very important. It doesn't involve hurting people. Jesus never calls you to hurt somebody. I have to say that, though, because we become too comfortable with violence. There may be moments where violence is necessary, but it is always a moment of grief. It is never something to be celebrated. And it's not Jesus' call. It's a moment where we have to deviate from the life Jesus calls his followers to. And it's a moment we should always grieve and lament and never celebrate. Following Jesus, it does not involve hurting people. And James and John show they do not understand why Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem. The whole point Jesus is heading to Jerusalem is to go and to sacrifice himself. So that people like those Samaritans can be saved, can be offered salvation. Jesus is going to suffer, to die, not to hurt people. So James and John, they miss it right away. And I think Luke notes that. I mean, Jesus rebukes them immediately. So no, Jesus following Jesus, it, it does not involve hurting people. And Christians, we need to internalize that. We need to hold to that, realize that. The Lord that we worship taught us to sacrifice ourselves for others, not to rain fire down on them. So that's James and John. Then as Luke continues, he introduces us to this group that the scriptures don't say this themselves, but you're heading in your Bible might, and I thought it was kind of funny. The would-be followers of Jesus... I don't know why I thought that was funny. Maybe it's because it's close to wannabe followers of Jesus, but these, these would-be followers, they could have been followers, but they just were missing something. One person says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go, a big, bold pronouncement, and Jesus says to him, do you understand that the Son of Man doesn't have a place to rest, that it's more comfortable for the animals than it's going to be for me as I go to Jerusalem? That's the first would-be follower of Jesus. The next one says, Jesus, let me follow you, but I'm going to go bury my dad first. A very reasonable request. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own. One of his tougher teachings. And then somebody else says, Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me say goodbye to my household, to the people in my house. And Jesus says, don't look back. Just move forward. Jesus' whole church-building strategy, most consultants today, they, they wouldn't be big fans of it. He's actually dissuading people from following him. He's telling them, this is going to be uncomfortable. You may not even have time to grieve your own parents. And you have to say goodbye to everything. At least be willing to say goodbye to everything, to follow me. He's raising the bar and raising the bar and raising the bar. I think the message Jesus is trying to convey here, and Luke is trying to help us understand too, that if you're going to follow Jesus on this road to Jerusalem, following Jesus is going to change your priorities. We all have an agenda, like I mentioned earlier, and Jesus will challenge that, but he won't just challenge it. He will change it. The more and more you follow him, the more and more what is important to you is going to change. It's going to shift. It's going to be different. And you can't anticipate just how Jesus will change your priorities until you are in the midst of following him. There's no way to anticipate where he's going to call you, who he's going to bring you to, what he's going to ask you to do. He's going to surprise you. And along the way, some beliefs that you used to hold, that you thought were central to your faith even, to your identity, they're going to change. And you're going to find yourself holding beliefs, doing things that you never would have expected. Jesus, he changes your priorities. No matter how long you've been following him also, there's still ways for him to change your priorities, to lift up something new for you as you follow him. So Jesus... Right away, he sets his face to Jerusalem, and he starts discouraging people from following him there. And who exactly is going to follow him? Who would say yes to this? I mean, Jesus, the road he's going to go on, it's going to be challenging. But we do get some clues here. And though the road is challenging, it's well worth it. We know that because we can see the full story here. Luke foreshadows it a little bit. If you notice at the very beginning of this passage, it says, When the time was coming near for Jesus to be taken up. I think that phrase, taken up, is intentionally ambiguous. It could be referring to Jesus being taken up on the cross. To Jesus being lifted up on the cross. We know that's what's waiting for him in Jerusalem. But it can also refer to Jesus being taken up into heaven, because that's ultimately where he goes. He dies on the cross, then he's resurrected, and then he appears to his disciples and his followers, and then in front of them he is taken up into heaven. The ascension is what it's called. Anyone who followed along with Jesus on the path to Jerusalem, the journey to Jerusalem, they eventually would get to the end there where Jesus is taken up into heaven. They get to see the ending. They get to realize it was all worth it. And from that point on, they spend the rest of their lives letting others know about what Jesus has done, what God did through Jesus. It's well worth it in the end to follow Jesus. Though it may require some sacrifice, it's well worth it in the end to follow Jesus. And I want to say, right now, Jesus calls each and every one of us to go along with him to the journey to Jerusalem. I don't literally mean Jerusalem, though. just want to be clear. Some of you might be a little terrified because it's not a great place to visit right now. So before you go pick out your phones and buy plane tickets and fly to Israel, don't do that. This is a metaphor. But Jesus is calling each of us to journey to Jerusalem. He has some place that he's calling you to, that he wants you to follow him towards. A place he's going out ahead. It could be a a group of people that need to hear the news of the gospel. It could be people who are downtrodden, who need to have hope. It could be people who are in need of supplies. There's something, someone, some place Jesus is calling you to, to follow him. And I don't know where exactly that is for you. But I know he puts that call on each and every one of his followers. Some things you should know, though, as you ask the question where is Jesus calling you to follow him? Where might he be asking you to go, or to whom might he be asking you to go? A few things that you need to know following Jesus, it always eventually leads to the cross. That's the path he lays out for us. That's what's waiting for him in Jerusalem. And what I mean by that is you will be called to sacrifice for others. It's kind of the whole point of following Jesus. You will be asked to give things up so that others can benefit, so that others can experience the hope of the resurrection. It always eventually leads to the cross. And the other thing about following Jesus, you never figure out Jesus' call alone. I don't think that we get to just say, I have a deep, deep feeling about something, and that means I'm called to it. It could be that you're called to that, but that could also just be your own impulses, and you might need to learn how to check your impulses. Following Jesus is always figured out in community. It's always figured out with other people, in the context of a church, in a growth group, with close relationships, Friendships, family relationships, people you trust who are also following Jesus, who can challenge you and say, maybe that is just your impulses. Let's think about this. Let's pray about this. Let's take some time. Following Jesus, figuring out his call, it's always done in community together. But Jesus lays this call on all of us to journey with him to Jerusalem, to follow him. And the question for each of us today is, will you follow him? Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you put this call on our lives to be your disciples. And Lord, we don't always know the specifics of what following you will look like for each and every one of us. It'll be different depending on the jobs you've called us to, depending on the situations you've placed us in depending on the skills you've given each of us how you've made each and every one of us Lord but we know that you call us to journey with you to Jerusalem so Lord help us to know how help us to discern your call help us to hear your voice in our lives that we might follow that we might be your people in this world Lord speak to us that we might heed your call
1: where you go I'll go where you stay when you move, I'll move. I will follow. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, ever found Comes like a flood Comes flowing